0: When a celebrity or politician is out in public, you might expect them to be accompanied by numerous bodyguards donning suits and earpieces as they keep crowds out of the way. But nowadays, the stereotypical security detail is far less common. We adjusted our security posture to walk
1: through without any problems. We were walking amongst the general public and nobody knew who
0: we were because we were just jeans t-shirt. John McDermott is a security professional who's been specializing in executive and close protection for 25 years. The industry within the last, I'm gonna say four years, is starting to see the value of being a thinking man's game. He says even when you're guarding a highly important person, it's crucial to be courteous and respectful at all times. That's your currency, that's your approach, and it also shows a level Coming in, throwing your weight around, it's not going to win you any favors. We'll also explore the best ways to communicate with staff who are in the field and subtle deterrence that can lower risks when moving through a crowd. Hello there, I'm Tristan Field Jones, and once again, welcome to Sit Rep. John McDermott joins us now, and John will be covering uh, several topics uh, with you uh, throughout the episode. Uh, but first tell us about what you do and how you ended up uh, in the world of security.
1: Oh, and, uh, well, I've been, I I kind of retired from the British military. And, uh, when I came back home from, from the UK, I, I got into the private security industry in 1998. Um, ever since I've been in the private security industry and I started off, um, in kind of with the close protection aspect of it, but I also uh, also was taught the the broader spectrum of, of security and, and the all the aspects involved in that. So um, yeah, I've been in I've been in the the industry ever since, and I've done I've a variety of different tasks and worked in a variety of different fields. Yeah,
0: I think before we we drill down on that. I'd like you to expand a little bit more on your experience in executive and, and close protection. Uh, what can you tell us about some of the situations you've been in or some of the people you've worked for and and had to protect over the years?
1: Uh, Absolutely. No, my first, my first gig was to actually, um, look after the president and CEO of a casino. And, uh, whenever he came into town, that was my task is to look after him drive him around and, and, uh, and keep him out of trouble, but also when he wasn't in town, I also helped with the, the VIPs in that casino. I would help be what we call now a site liaison for that, um, for that uh, particular VIP. And there would be other um, sports figures or um, political figures that would like to come into the this casino. and. Um, because of my security background and knowledge, I was always put on tasks. So even, uh, I even had to even on again, uh, drive home the big winners from the casino that would have a big cash payout. So yeah, I would have to do that, but that was back in the, in the days when things
0: were a little, uh, little less regulated, I'll say. <laughs> it's the diplomatic way of putting it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and we will for sure kind of talk a little bit more about how close protection and executive protection has changed over the years for sure. Uh, I think I want to establish some basics uh, before we really uh, get into this here. Um, I, I think the cliched image of close protection is, you know, bodyguards keeping hordes of fans away from a celebrity or, you know, agents surrounding a politician. Again, the quintessential image of that, the Secret Service in the U.S., Right, I mean, I think when you think executive protection, that's probably the first image that comes to mind for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But that's a bit of a narrow uh, idea when it comes to the profession, because Mm -hmm. John, as as you and I have discussed, um, there are a lot of components that make up executive protection. So let's look into that. Besides the bodyguards, what are the other Mm -hmm. aspects that involve uh, this this part of the industry
1: well it's an interesting it's interesting you brought up this this name bodyguard that's been kind of floating around in the industry for well a, since since I could remember the 25 or plus years um, some people <clears throat> it has evolved from in, from kind of being that strong man in a suit to a thinking man's game and it's always been the argument that close protection and executive protection or bodyguarding is a thinking man's game because it is um you have to in, in the industry there's two different styles and one style I would call it the british style which is very low profile trying kind to of blend in the background kind of um um not taking away from your principal and then the American style, which is you're stacking bodies and equipment in front of, um, in front of the, uh, principal, basically moving them from a castle to an armored vehicle, to a, another fortress and having all the tools in, in between. But there is, there is a balance between, uh, between the two that, and there's a time for having that, um, having that, um, Type of style. So, um, what I was taught, I was taught off of the British model, and um, it I've always operated off that kind of concept low profile, don't attract attention. Because as soon as you get more than three males in a suit walking in the same direction, doesn't matter if it's important or not important, people think something's happening and that draws attention. Um, But if you're trying to operate in a way that you're not trying to attract attention to the vip or the the person then you have to adjust your approach and so it's been an ongoing discussion and it's um it's an endless discussion on are you a bodyguard are you close protection Uh, but thankfully thankfully that the industry within the last i'm going to say four years two to three four years um, is starting to see the value of being a thinking man's game and having the ability to anticipate, um, and adapt your environment in order to avoid trouble and, uh, mitigate anything. Uh, there are some, some VIPs that want that attention because they want to remain relevant in the media cycle. But that's all part of the tactic. That's all part of the the game they're trying to play. But if you're trying to um, be a close protection and have an actual security posture, then that is all part of the image of what's happening Uh, because sometimes the VIP is not the client and the client is not the VIP. So that brings in two different paradigms. And so let's say the VIP is, is a a movie star that is known to have drama. Then, then they're going to do something to create the drama. And and now in this day and age with social media, um, it creates a bigger, a bit of a bigger challenge for the, the security team. If, if people aren't on the same page, but, um, yeah, it's, um. It's a never evolving industry and thankfully now it's starting to kind of get a little more regulated and, um, down in the States, they've created a, created a close protection standard that, um, is now kind of mimicking the ACES standard for, for the certified protection professional, which is a cold standard within the security industry. And now the close protection aspect is based off of that model, and they're they're growing that. So thankfully, there's some sort of effort and um, very experienced individuals involved in in this in this um, this uh, initiative.
0: Let's go back, John, for a second, and and let's talk a little bit more about the bombastic approach, if you will, to close protection, and the more subtle approach. I'm sure sure each strategy has advantages and disadvantages, but Mm -hmm. the, again, stereotypical image of, uh, you know, the celebrity or the important person walking down a street in a limo with a 100 bodyguards and a a lot of stuff like that, where, you know, it makes a statement that, hey, I'm important. Right, Is that really very common? And is, especially nowadays, is that type of executive protection potentially more dangerous, ironically?
1: Well, whenever you're walking for a long period of time, it doesn't matter if you're in a a high profile um, posture or low profile posture, whenever you're walking any distance, you're, you're vulnerable. Um, so <clears throat> sometimes having um, big, strong, bald guys in black suits surrounding an individual does act as a deterrent. Um, but that is the visible deterrent. That's the inner circle. That's the, that's the last line of defence, I'm going to call it. The outer line of defence is going to be walking in the crowd and walking beside the crowd walking through the crowd. But that, given that, that could be, you could be just also, the budget could only afford one person. Um, So how do you strike that balance with a one person close protection team? It's a challenge. It's it's always adjusting, it's always adapting, trying to make the, the environment and things work. If you're lucky enough to have an inner and outer circle of, of of a team even if it's one or two people in the outer circle and one or two people on the inner circle then it, then you utilize your your assets the best way you can having it in the private industry when you have very limited resources sometimes to to do to do a job it becomes a kind of a three-pot two-lid situation and you have to learn how to make sure that the pots don't boil over and and just working with, 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 what, with what you have. So um, yeah, the, the big, biggest thing is, um, especially in close protection, is the ability to adapt and anticipate trouble. That, or that's the two primary keys that I function off, which is to adapt to the situation and anticipate trouble. And if we know where, where we might find trouble, for example, walking down the street and into a like a bottleneck area, um, we have to be able to adjust and adapt to that to mitigate any potential hazard in that area. If you're not in the right mindset or the right like paying attention to where you're at and knowing what you're doing, then um, you're gonna get caught up, and it, it happens to the best of us sometimes.
0: So, John, talk a little bit more about anticipating threats uh, and what you do to plan for risks. Because I'm sure uh, there's a, a fair amount of planning that takes place before mm-hmm. you're actually accompanying someone, or uh, you know, uh, uh, taking care of a VIP or or whoever that may be. But but let's explore that a little further.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um. It, it pre social media days and pre internet days, we would have to go on the ground and do, um, advanced venue assessments, group planning and, um, work with, um, like the broad strokes of, of a threat and to be more of a reactive kind of posture, we would be, we would know the environment that we're going to. We wouldn't have a random venue that we would just randomly appear at. Uh, we would, if we were lucky enough to have, um, enough notice that of a schedule where we want to go and how we want to get there. And, um, and so we would send a couple of people on the ground and do a venue assessment and, and look at, uh, all the ins and outs and the back doors and all of the holes and all that stuff in, in whatever venue that we're going to go to. And we'd also do a root plant, <laughs> which would highlight, um bottlenecks and highlight uh, current traffic flow and or construction, but that would change. You know, we would only do that like maybe 12 hours prior to um, going to that venue or whatever. But now with social media and with like a little mini computer in your hand um, with Google maps and all that stuff, the venue and the route planning aspect has changed a little bit but not a lot if you know the old school ways um you you can still circumvent the the new school ways and uh for example if you use google maps it can be it can be spoofed and it can look like there's a huge traffic jam in in a certain area that will direct you to a different area and you can be you could be unknowingly driven into kind of like uh ambush zone so um Knowing the rough and knowing the old pen and paper way sure, sure helps, but having the tools, um, like social media and open source intelligence sure kind of helps with, um, changing your, uh, changing your security posture before you even leave the, before you even go on the ground. Nowadays, we have this re- real time information that we can, we can anticipate the problems and drive around it or go through it or avoid it and go the opposite direction. And and, and it's just, what that does is that it, it provides a smooth transition to a whole different, um, whole different way of, of operating for the VIP, because usually if you're working with a VIP that's, say, in business, time is money. And, and if you can facilitate that um, facilitate that smooth transfer from A to B to C without uh, much hiccups, then, then you're helping your client out a lot.
0: What happens and how do you handle a circumstance when somebody slipped past? You know, I mean, politicians around the world have had Literal pie in the face, you know. I can think yeah. of George W. Bush. I can think of yeah. um, uh, Jean Chrétien, one of you know the can- Canadian Prime Minister. Um, yeah. You know, in the UK, uh, several politicians there have been you know milkshaked, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it's not going to be a hundred percent foolproof. So, no. how do you react when there? You see that threat? Maybe you see somebody approaching with something. Uh, yep. or, you know, again, it might be kind of silly to think that somebody approaching with a pie might be a security threat because we don't really yep. see it that way, but maybe you spot that, or maybe they're coming into close range of this VIP or this celebrity, whatever it may be. Yep. What do you need to do in those circumstances?
1: Well, well, that's a, that's a good question. It's a tricky question. Um, because sometimes let's just say like we've have, we've had many examples. They're doing like a pancake breakfast, for example. So there's going to be all sorts of people coming in close proximity to your principal or, or the politician. Everybody knows that that politician's going to be there or the individual's going to be there. So it really comes down to awareness. Um, a lot of these jobs requires a person to be on on, switched on for more than 12 hours a day, and it, it becomes very mentally taxing and it, it's really hard to be switched on to impossible threats, even apply in the face, because that's embarrassment to your client. Um, so, you know, having that um, layered protection helps, but how do we react to that? Well, Like we're always thinking of like, um, bad guys trying to assault or whatever, but even just the small things of slipping on a, on, on a stair or going the wrong, down the wrong hall or getting delayed from A to B, those things actually happen more often than the, the ninja coming in and, and doing something. So I was thinking about, um, one, one job that I, I ended up doing is I, my client was actually meatloaf. And, um, I could, I could talk about it now cause he's passed on and, um, it's well known on, on social media. So on YouTube, he was, uh, he was playing in Edmonton, um, at a venue here. And then he collapsed on stage. Um, the reason why he collapsed was because he, he didn't, um, hydrate himself enough to, to do his own songs so when when he collapsed you know we got on stage and and we just said we just protected his image from that point forward um because people would want to now pull out their cameras and 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 start to see um you know record it for live prosperity purposes but we just blocked that with the bodies first and then screens and then um when the paramedics came assessed them and move him out onto the back at the back of house through the, through the ambulance. We just blocked further, uh, further images from people taking pictures from high uh, angle area. And so, you know, it just, you know, just protecting the, trying to protect as much of the images you can of the individual from, from further embarrassment. And so, you know, um, sometimes you can just laugh it off and wipe it down and keep moving. And Sometimes it's a more uh, serious incident, where you, like a medical incident, where you have to change and and go from the pulling the the security team that's around that was part of the venue security and the event security and change their posture to now protecting the the, the individual. So there's a smooth transition out.
0: I I think the the point overall you're you're trying to bring is it's a matter of just being aware and knowing your surroundings and also not just operating in a bubble. So, you know, not just thinking of the bodyguard in the suit, but also thinking of what does this look like from an image perspective? What does this look like from a crisis perspective? And I think maybe that's the point that you're trying to bring home, John, is that you can't just look at it in in isolation.
1: Right, exactly. No, the silo effect is... Is detrimental on not only the macro scale but the micro scale. I think of it as kind of like an accordion, and uh, you got to know when to stretch it out, know when to pull it in, and and work with it. And as much as as much as you might think it's bad to share information with other. Other uh, stakeholders or other people involved in, the, in a venue, it's actually to your benefit. And 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 in the private side, you don't have the authority as law enforcement agencies can uh, and do and say, "Oh, I want to park my vehicle here because I can." Um, just be just because you can doesn't mean you should. So always manners. Please thank yous, me, eyes. Can would it be okay if we did this? You know. It, it goes a long way that's your currency that's your that's your approach and um as they say you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar so it also shows a level of professionalism right it, it, coming in throwing your weight around it's not going to win you any favors going in and say hey you know it'd be very helpful if you could help me out with this and and as a security operator, for example, the, the security guard in a in a the venue, they're like, oh, yes, I w- I would very much like to be part of this um, action. I would very much like to help you out and facilitate your transition from A to B. It's just a cooperation and it's a respect uh, respect thing. So you got to remain humble and you got to remain kind and and even even in a hostile kind of like buildup of a crowd you talk to an individual and say can can we just sneak through or whatever and yeah oh yeah sure not a problem instead of like pushing people through only in extreme circumstances do you need to do that it's always words 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 and um, it's always worthwhile just taking that few extra seconds to talk to an individual and say hey, this is kind of what I need to do Can you help me out with that? And yeah, for not a problem.
0: We've been talking a lot about uh, important people and kind of the the visible security presence, but Mm -hmm. let's say you're accompanying the CEO of a major company or perhaps someone who works in a high profile position at a government organization, and Mm -hmm. they need the protection, but you want to do as much as possible to blend in or to be discreet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you go about that? Especially if the person you're protecting is potentially at high risk. Great. Well, I had one client that, um, was
1: specifically what you said, um, flew in, in the, flew into his, into the area with a private jet. He owns a big company worldwide known. Um, but you know jeans and t-shirt driving around in a, in a minivan, like who's gonna, who's gonna look at a loser, loser cruiser, right? Um, We're just gonna, it facilitates transition in and out of the vehicle so much easier. it's a nice, it's a nice ride. And we were, we were dressed casual jeans and t-shirt. It was the environment that we went into and it was in Calgary. And so... People don't, like we we talked to the venue, we had the security layer in in place and all the uniform security people there, but we just blended in and um, that wasn't a problem. And so that's, that's deterring um, focus on that individual. We adjusted our security posture to walk through without any problems. We were walking amongst the general public and nobody knew who we were because we were just jeans t-shirt, right? Um, just casual looking things. If we were all dressed up in suits, then that changes the posture. Um, I also had one client that was, that, that didn't even want security around her at all. Um, so we had to look at her at, um, be, um, as they call it a covert protection. I just call it defensive protection. So we're, she would like to walk to work and we just just follow her in the car. We knew her paths, we knew her routine. And if we had to go out on foot, we would go to our foot, but we were, we were invisible to, to her and, um, because that's what she wanted, but she was the principal, but the client was, was somebody else. And so we had to keep keep an eye on them for that principle for as much as possible so you know they approach changes and and more and more clients and principals are asking for the lower profile um optic of security it's only when they're going into um known events that they want, the known security there. And they usually, what they usually end up doing is having a site liaison security um, layer there. <clears throat> I had um, one client was re- running for reelection um, and we were the outer circle and the inner circle was part of her team. and um, But we would just blend in the crowd. We were in the crowd looking like we're part of the people there to rally. Um, we would stand on the outside of the, of the venue. If it was a closed venue, we would stand on the outside in jeans, t-shirt and we would just blend, um, people always anticipate layers of security that you can see, but uh, sometimes that layer of security is not something you can see and, and, you know, That is a defense mechanism in itself. So having that opportunity or option to blend, yeah, you might want to put the big guys right up front and visible deterrent, but also you have the, a, the more skilled or the skilled individuals also blending within the crowds. So, you know, it all depends on, on what, what the posture, I call it the security posture is all
0: about. When you have a security detail, right. depending on the size of the team, which, yeah, as you mentioned, varies quite a bit, yeah. what's the best way to communicate with them and to communicate with perhaps uh, others who may be, you know, working back at the office or working in a vehicle or right. whatever that may be? Uh, right. How do you make sure that communication is clear, concise, and, and what... Right. Equipment should you have to make sure that everybody's talking to each other in the appropriate manner,
1: right? Uh, that's a that's another good question. And at this day and age, with a variety of different tools that you can use, um, like you could use uh, Zello, that's on your cell phone, which is kind of acts as a CB type thing, but there's a there's a delay in that, um, or you can just use basic. Hand signals, uh, something I learned when I worked in the bars. You know, uh, a code system—one, two, or three. And if I were to stand in a crowd and I went like this to somebody that was observing me, watching me, then then they know the situation is going down. But it it means nothing to anybody else. Somebody standing with the three fingers up means nothing. But except for the people that are are on the team. And sometimes the environment is so loud that you can't transmit on radio. You can't transmit it on phone and you, you can't take the time to text. So you ha- have to have hand signals. You have to have um, no one. Everybody's on the same page. Hand signals are known uh, actions. The best radio um, mic for noisy venues is a throat mic. And you can hide it under your collar and you can press, your, press the talk switch and you can talk and, and the noise is not going to, the background noise is not going to, um eliminate your your voice message because it's picking up on your throat but um it all depends on your environment and sometimes a no overt calms like you're thinking of the coily tube going through your ear and that sometimes people just put the coily tube down your throat and there's no radio comms it acts as a deterrent and it makes it look like you have radio comms with other people but it's just an image these are all kind of tricks in the tree. But at the end of the day, again, just having um, a simple,
0: effective way of doing something and not make it get too complex. John, I like to end these podcast episodes with a bit of advice that we can uh, provide the audience because we've identified a lot of issues and we've talked uh, a lot about uh, the risks and threats out there when it comes to executive protection, but mm-hmm. what would be your advice when you look back at twenty five years of experience in the field what what would you suggest that security professionals out there nowadays plan for, look out for uh, you know just a point to bring home from this discussion when it comes to close protection?
1: well. Wow. Good question. The best bit of advice that I've been given from a retired chief of police officer, um, is don't be action imperative. Um, don't, don't jump as quickly as you think you might have to, uh, always take the time to find out what's happening, what's going on. And, um, if it's important. Uh,
0: information talk face to face John your insight has been incredibly valuable uh, if people want to find out more about you or if there's maybe any resources online uh, mm-hmm. that you think would be worth reading uh, mm-hmm. where can they go yeah you can find me on on LinkedIn and send me a message there and go from there uh, John uh, again really appreciate you being a guest and again, you've provided some excellent insight here. John McDermott is a veteran of the security industry specializing in executive and close protection. Joining us on SITREP, I'm Tristan Field-Jones. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email me at sitrep at samdesk.io or follow us on Twitter at samdeskofficial. Until next time, stay safe out there.